Welcome to The Real Deal on the Carrie Question Hour. Hey, you know what? It's been a long time since I've been here. I mean, we just went over it, and I haven't been here since December. I mean, right, bef- right before Christmas, I was watching the fights. Veronica, I'm going to let you jump in on this one. And all of a sudden, I started feeling really, really sick. And I knew nothing could hit me that hard, that quick, unless I had that, yep, the virus. So <laughs> I spent almost three weeks in bed with um, COVID. So the reason I'm bringing that up, because I know a lot, they're saying like a third of the people are having it, and I know people that had it or have it and don't want to talk about it, and I'm saying it's fine to talk about it, you know? Right. I had it. I spent almost three weeks in bed. I was sicker than a dog. Fortunately, I'm 100% better, and um, now life goes on. I'm getting back to the routine. So happy New Year's to everybody out there, and it's good to be back. Veronica, so here's my thinking. I'm watching TV. I'm hanging out with friends from from um, um, the world that I'm in right now, like you and everybody else that works with me and stuff like that. And I've been to press conferences in the last couple of weeks. I'm doing a lot of different stuff. And we are losing more people to this drug, fentanyl, than anything I have ever seen before. Correct. Now, I've been in this field for over f- almost 40 years. And for the last 15, I've been screaming, and you know that, yes. wherever I can, that we're having an opioid um, epidemic that is going to kill more people than it did in the 70s, and it's going to be the number one killer. Uh, well, about a year ago, everybody realized we're having an opioid epidemic. Right. And it's killing people everywhere. And then all of a sudden, COVID came in, and they stopped completely talking about the opioid epidemic. I'll call it a pandemic. And now what's going on is fentanyl made its way into this system. And almost all the drugs on the streets right now, and I really want people to hear this, almost all the drugs on the street right now, I'm talking almost all the heroin is caught with fentanyl. And I would say 70 to 80% of all pills, Oxycontin, Xanax that people are buying on the streets are cut with fentanyl. So if we don't get a hold of this, there's not going to be too many drug users anymore. And I'm not going to say drug addicts because not everybody that's buying pills off the streets are drug addicts. Right. I know 16-year-old kids. I know 16-year-old kids that went out there, bought a pill to get high, took half of it, and died. If you look at my phone, you saw there's a... Uh, voices of um, fentanyl. Right. There's over 100 kids, young people that are died. Pictures right on there. You can go on Facebook and look at it if you want no more information. Let me know and I'll get it to you. But I believe that there's not going to be too many more drug users in the next couple of years. It's going to kill them all. Almost everyone we bring into treatment that are using any kind of opiates said that they have already overdosed. Right. And they don't even know they're taking fentanyl. We had a couple of overdoses here in Santa Clarita in the last week um, that didn't die. Right. But I know one of them was Narcan back, got into a scuffle with the person that Narcan them and got away. I mean, they brought them back to life. Right. And into a scuffle. So 
the reason I want to do this show, and I know I've been doing a lot of shows on fentanyl and heroin and opioids and that kind of stuff, is because if we don't get the word out, I believe this is going to be a worse pandemic than COVID. I really, from the bottom of my heart, believe that because let's look at COVID for a second. Yes, it's horrible. I had it. I get it. But I didn't get it as bad as some people, and lots of people are losing their lives. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. Right. There's a vaccine coming. If we do what we're supposed to do, we can get a hold on that, a handle on that. There's no vaccine for a drug addiction. Right. You know, somebody, I, I've said that on, on some article or Facebook thing that I did, and somebody says, what about Narcan? Well, Narcan's not a vaccine. Narcan is something that's going to bring somebody back to life if they're lucky after they overdosed. Right. But it's not a drug that's going to magically cure addiction. So the only thing that I believe that's going to cure addiction right now is a lot of this kind of stuff, you know, treatment for sure, um, a lot of education. We need to talk to our children. Guys, if you're listening to this and you have kids in kindergarten, you better talk to them about drugs now because we got to hardwire our children when they're young that drugs are bad. You know what the message is right now out there about drugs? Heroin kills. Right. Opioids is terrible. Fentanyl is taking our lives. What's missing in that message? Do you have, have you ever met anybody that woke up one day and says, I'm going to shoot dope. <laughs> no. I want to grow up and be a drug addict. So what's missing in that message? How about this? All drugs are bad. How about this? All drugs will lead you to a place you don't want to go. So... I just want to do a, a couple of little things I'm going to bring the other guests on. Nobody, where I'm going with this is nobody wakes up one day and decides they want to be a drug addict. It doesn't happen that way. What happens is, usually, we have what you call a set of contracts. You guys listen to me because I'm going I'm to jump you in in a minute. We have a set of contracts. When I grow up, I want to be maybe a cop or a lawyer or a doctor or a vet. Remember those? Then we have another set of contracts. This is even more important. When I grow up, I'll never. Yeah. Y'all remember those? Mm -hmm. What were some of the things you said you'll never do, Veronica? Veronica's uh, one of my, she's actually the program director of hello. Action Drug Rehabs. <laughs> yes, I am. So remember those contracts you said you'll never, ever do? And one of them was I'll never do drugs. And you meant it, didn't you? I meant it. Why did you mean it? I was supposed to be a veterinarian. <laughs> I didn't even know that, <laughs> and I said that. Yeah. But why did you say that to yourself? It's just something I seen the addiction roll over in my older brother, and mm -hmm. and it was just something really scary growing up seeing it. And uh, at that time, I didn't know my my father was an alcoholic, and you know, well now I do, but right. dare I say something? No, you know. So it's just like I don't want to. Do that right so we have these contracts when I grow up I'll never and I remember the first ones most people have now it's changed but the first one most kids have is I'll never smoke cigarettes right. because they know cigarettes kill you it says it on the box mm -hmm. it says I mean on some of the boxes it actually says the Surgeon General has determined who's the Surgeon General top doctor in the world mm -hmm. the Surgeon General has determined that smoking causes it says that on the box not maybe, it used to say maybe. Lung cancer, emphysema, and stuff like that. So we have these contracts. These are things we'll never do. Right. 
So what happens? We, we go to school and we, we're hanging out and we look at Paul and Joe and Sam and they're hanging over there and they got a cigarette dangling from their mouth and it looks glamorous and exciting. Right. So we start hanging out with them and then uh, Paul over there says, hey, want one? Now it's a commitment we made when we were little. So no, I don't want one. But we're there every freaking day. Right. Every day hanging out, people are smoking. One day we say, what the heck? And we take our first cigarette or vape. What did we just do? Broke our contract. That we made when we were in kindergarten. How do we clean that up? It's only a cigarette. I will never smoke weed. But we're still hanging out with all these guys. All of a sudden, somebody brings some pot. And says, hey, dude, you want to smoke some pot? Oh, no, I don't, I don't use drugs. I never will. It's not a drug. It's only pot. It's natural. God put it there. What's happening is we're getting desensitized when we're young. And we figure, what the heck? We get curious and we take a hit. What did we just do? Break our contract. Actually, even more than that. We broke our contract. We just smoked something that made us feel different. Mm -hmm. Plus, we joined a crowd of people. Now we're in. Mm -hmm. How do we clean that up? It's only pot. I'll never use other drugs. And they mean that. Right. All the other drugs are what I call drugs of opportunity. Once you start breaking your contracts, you smoke cigarettes, you smoke weed, you go to a party, there's a little bit of weed, you start drinking some vodka, then somebody says, try this. You're already a little bit high, and you try it, and they say meth. How many times does it take to get addicted to meth? Once. One time. Because of, it hits that pleasure zone of your brain, and if you have an addictive personality, you in trouble. Opiates the same way. Right. And then it takes you down that path. So some of the reasons why I'm talking about this is, um, I want to hear you guys' story, but most people that go to treatment and leave treatment end up screwed because they start what? Hanging around with the old people. Breaking the contracts again. I use heroin so I could smoke weed. I drink vodka so I could drink beer. I drink vodka so I could smoke weed. I don't even like weed. So we find reasons that we get high again. And in, in 40 years of doing treatment, it'll always bring you back to the place that you don't want to be. So I'm hoping that by doing this with you guys too, that you get some more contracts in your head and you get them hardwired. So I'm really, I guess where I'm going to is this fentanyl scares the heck out of me. It really does. So I'm going to go to Joe over there with the, with the little mask on. Tell us your story, Joe. Um, yeah, I think I could relate that growing up I had those same contracts that I would never uh, smoke cigarettes or, or do drugs. And I uh, wanted to be a pro football player. And uh, I think early on I just felt uh, uncomfortable in my skin and I seen other people doing it. I wanted to fit in, so I started smoking cigarettes and, and marijuana. And... Um, and then just it just progressed to doing cocaine and fast forward, you know, just losing losing everything I had, all the morals I had, and just becoming uh, strung out on pills and fentanyl and cocaine and just um, just willing to uh, do anything it took to get it. And um, when I look back, you know, it's definitely never what I wanted to be when I grew up, you know. You didn't want to be a drug addict. No, I never. I didn't want to be a drug addict. <laughs> really? Why not? Because I, I just wanted to be a football player. And, and where did where did it go wrong? Where did it go wrong? Um, I think just trying to fit in at the beginning. You know, just mm -hmm. feeling 
uncomfortable and uh, just trying to fit in. You know, that's the hardest thing about growing up is fitting in. Where do I belong? You know, yeah. Do I fit in with this crowd of people that, you know, they go to school, they get good grades, they come from this tight family and blah, blah, blah. Or do I fit in with these guys that play sports or do I fit in better with these guys? Once, once you start hanging out with people that are using drugs and you start getting high, you're automatically part of that crew. Sure. And, and when you get sober, sometimes missing that excitement is even more than missing the drugs. Right. That yeah. makes sense? Yeah. And that's what brings you back to it. You had to get back to that excitement, and then the drugs follow. But you were sober for a while, weren't you? Yeah. Um, I went to uh, Action when I was uh, the first time when I was 15, and I ran away. And then I went again when I was 17, and um, I was sober after leaving Action for almost eight years. And um, I stopped, uh, I stopped uh, living the, the program, stopped being honest, and started falling back into my old ways, old friends. And um, eventually I got loaded for five years until mm -hmm. I entered action uh, 16 days ago, or been sober 16 days, clean and sober. How come? What happened? What made you decide to get sober? I know you, call, you were calling me for days trying to get in. Yeah. Why? What happened? What was so bad? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just losing uh, all the, the peace I had inside, um, just becoming a person I didn't want to be. And uh, ultimately, uh, the last, on the 8th, I, I had overdosed on uh, fentanyl, cocaine, and some other pills. And uh, I was rushed to the hospital, I had to get Narcan. And, well, um, tell, tell people what that means. I know what it means, but tell people. Narcan? Yeah, what, why do people Narcan people? Um, to, to bring you back to life, you know, I pretty much stopped breathing and... Um, from what I know, I had to get Narcan um, and put on a ventilator for a few days um, to be brought back to life. So you were pretty much dead when they found I you? I was pretty much dead. And and wh where'd they find you? Found me in front of a motel in Silmore, um, laying there, I guess, with 15% oxygen left. Um, I guess two ladies seen me laying there and brought me in to, uh, uh, I think it's called Holy Cross Hospital in Mission Hills. So you were laying in the street? In the street, yeah. Wow. Yeah, in front, I guess, yeah. Two ladies saw you and saved you. Two ladies saw me and saved my life, yeah. Mm. If, if it wasn't for them, I would be dead right now. So, so you woke up in the hospital? Woke up, yeah, I woke up in the hospital ripping out IVs um, and just not knowing what happened. And Yeah. How'd you figure it out? Um, I think when I finally was... Uh, the ventilator was out and everything I came to realize that uh, it probably was drugs and alcohol because that was what usually was uh, what brought me there. And the, the doctor told me that, you know, pretty much that I was going to die if these two people didn't uh, save my life. So um, and he told me what I had overdosed on. And yeah, you've been around a while. You know, people you have been doing this. How many of your friends died? Oh, wow. I never asked say, you this. Yeah, I'd say probably close to 10, maybe of, more that I know. Your fr of people you know. People I know and that I was close to. Um, from the age of 15 to 30 now, I've probably probably more than 15, but yeah, a lot of close friends and people that I was clean with and sober with um, died, and for some reason I'm still here, so I'm grateful. You got kids, don't you? Yes, I do have kids. You a wife. I have a wife and... Beautiful family that was ready to give up for this stuff. And uh, what do you what do you want in ten years from now? 
in 20 years from now, in 30 years from now, what do you want your kids to say about you when you're gone? Yeah. Um, first off, I want to, you know, them to say I was sober, and um, I was a, a good father. I was honest, um, and that I loved them, and I and I and I taught them a better way. You know, and uh, I want them to be somebody that they could follow in my footsteps. I want to walk the right way, and them to uh, to follow that path. You, know. you love your family a lot, don't you? Yeah, everything in me. Yeah. Well, let's say they're listening. What do you want to say to them? I love, I love my wife for just sticking by my side and always praying for me. Um, she was a, a blessed with a godly woman that stuck by my side, and um, I want to. I love my children with everything in me, and um, you know, the hurt I caused, I apologize, and just, um, I just want to see them. Reach the stars. I love you guys. Can you use again? I can, but I won't today, no. Can you use again? No, I can't. Where will it take you? Death. Do you believe that? Uh, yeah, with everything in me, yeah. It already, it, almost, it already took you. Yeah, a few times, yeah. If it wasn't for that miracle drug Narcan, you'd be dead. Your Absolutely. kid would have no father. What somebody would have said in 30 years from now is, tell me about your dad, and all they'd be able to say is, well, he died when he was young. Yeah. He overdosed on the street corner. Exactly, yeah. So you got a lot to live for. Yeah. And, and uh, I'd sure like to hear, you know, in 50 or 60 or 70 years when you pass away, your kids say, my dad was my hero. Absolutely, yeah. That's what, that's what I would hope to hear. You're a great guy, man. Thank you. You really are. But you said one thing I want to go back to, and then I'll move on. You said, I said you almost died. You said a few times. Yeah. That wasn't your first? No, that wasn't my first. Uh, yeah, so the first time I was 15. You want, you want to break down a couple times? Yeah. Uh, first time was when I was 15. Uh, I was hit by a car, just uh, trying to come up on more drugs and alcohol and um, I was in a coma and uh, I think that was the first time I entered action after that, a couple months after that and um, and um, again, I, pills overdose at 18 and then um, the last five years there's been a total of three times I've been Narcan to, uh, from fentanyl and pills. and So three times you'd have been dead? Three times I've been dead, yes. From Fentanyl cut with cocaine that happened and pills and straight smoking straight fentanyl. And um, yeah. So, um, You're tempting fate, dude. Yeah. Okay. What's different this time you've been sober 16 days? How do you feel? I'm pretty damn proud of you, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Isn't that cool? That is cool. Yeah, I feel, um, I feel good today uh, being um, Carrie helping me get in action, led me in action, and just uh, a good group of people. I feel good today, and um, I have that same desperation in me um, that I had when I when I came in. Um, and uh, just just sitting back thinking about having a wife and kids, and just everything I could have lost, and kids growing up without a dad. I just uh, they came close. Yeah, they did. They did. And um, just having to just have a hunger in me for sobriety. Um, today that I'm grateful for. I'll tell you one thing that I don't hope you never forget is when you called me, you called me a lot, yeah. but you were completely desperate. Yeah. 
you know when somebody calls because you know I want to get away I want to I want to kick this habit and I want to get stronger and do it again and you know so when somebody's desperate and really is done you were desperate yes I was I don't hope you never forget that yeah if you if you remember that feeling you don't ever have to feel it again what do you want to say? Hey, it's true. You know, don't don't dwell on your misery, but just know what can happen. Always remember the bad. Yeah. And now, I'm a mom too. Our lives don't belong to us. Yeah. They belong to our kids now. And we're, we set the, the road for their, their destiny. So just mm -hmm. remember that. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. I, re I remember my father. I'm going to remember him as... There's a good guy that died from drugs. Suicide, not suicide, I'm sorry. Drug abuse and cancer took him out at an age of 47. And I promised myself growing up that my kids would never see that part of me ever. And they have never seen it. So your kids never have to see that part of you ever again. You can be there and be a role model and their hero. Good job. Seriously, good job. Anything you want to say? I just want to thank you for... Giving me a chance to come and get, come and stay in, in Piru and get clean and sober. So thank you, guys. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on the show. My my goal of this show is to save lives, you know. And right now, I'm, I've been doing a lot of shows on fentanyl because if we don't, it's going to take over the pandemic, and this is going to be the number one killer. Already close. Right. In fact, if you look at some of the statistics in San Francisco, more people are dying from overdoses than COVID. And I believe that's going to happen everywhere shortly. So we need to do a lot of talking about these drugs. And for the person out there that's been sober for a minute and decides to get loaded, that's a lot of the people that are dying right now. Oh, yeah. They don't realize that they've been clean for such a long time or even a month, and then they go back out there. And their mind needs more than their body can handle. Just a little bit more than the mind says and the body can't handle it. Mm -hmm. Sam, what is your deal, buddy? I've known you for a while. Yes, sir. What's your story? Well, <clears throat> say the first drug I ever used was marijuana when I was, I had just turned 16. Um, my best friend, he had done it a couple weeks prior, and I was really, uh, I was in a bad place. Um, I just wanted some type of like release, I guess. And um, I ended up smoking marijuana and it was a life-changing experience. Um, it sure was. Yeah. It's taking you down a long path. It has. Well, go on, tell your story. Um, see, I, I come from a good family. Uh, my dad's never been in jail. Uh, my, I feel like my parents did a good job raising me. Um, I just made bad decisions. Um, so I started smoking weed, I never stopped. Um, see, I, I still managed to keep my grades up. Uh, I graduated high school with a 4.0, got into a good school. Ended up going to college. I went to UC Irvine for a few semesters, um, quarters actually. Uh, but um, I guess my, my addiction just got deeper and deeper. Um, See, I, uh, I ended up getting a marijuana possession when I was 17. I was a passenger in a car. Uh, 
we were spotted by some detectives. Um, they thought we were buying heroin because I guess my dealer was selling heroin as well. Uh, uh, they like boxed us in in front of my house. I was really upset. Like, I don't know. I was like right next to my house, you know. So I had an attitude apparently, you know. And that don't go well. No, no. And then uh, they were like, "Oh yeah, these kids have applications in Berkeley. Of course they have attitude, you know." Uh, but yeah, I was just really bad, you know. I was sitting in front of my house, looking at my truck, you know. I was like, "What the heck?" And uh, so I got a ticket, and I ended up losing my license for a year. And for some reason, that 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 destroyed me. Um, I let it eat me up. Um, I resented the law. I hated them for what they did. My parents wouldn't let me drive. They would let me drive to school, which wasn't good exactly, but. Uh, my parents were really strict about that type of thing, you know, for a good reason. You know, I'm glad they did that. Uh, but I ended up going to college. I had to take the train. That wasn't very fun. You know, a lot of strange people on the train. Um, so I guess things just worsened in college. I mean, I, I had, I think I got C's when I was a freshman, when I was 18. Um, but I would I would go and I would drink every day vodka, smoke, concentrated marijuana, wax. I had a rig in my room. Um, What's a rig? It's a uh, an oil burner for marijuana. Uh, so I would just sit in my room, smoke concentrated marijuana all day long, and then I would drink at night. I've actually seen people. I ran the psych unit over at Henry Mayo for a lot of years, and I've seen so many people come in there psychotic because of that concentrated THC. They were just lost. <clears throat> right. It's, it's really strong stuff. Um, anyway, I ended up leaving college voluntarily um, in spring, spring, spring quarter. Uh, I went home. And I just, uh, I just hung out with my buddies. Um, we would just smoke weed all day. Uh, we would drink cough syrup all the time whenever we could. Uh, you know, that was like our thing. You know, we were all about like rap culture, all that type of thing. Designer clothes, like you name it. Um, so I did that for a while, and eventually it just got to a point where I was just getting destructive. Uh, you know, I was just tearing things apart. My family was getting sick of it. They were getting ready to like cut me off, cancel my phone plan, like bills and stuff like that. And uh, I went. They kicked me out of the house one day, and I went to my my like one of my best friends' house, and his mom. Uh, she had a. Uh, been expecting me because this had happened once before and uh, she set up a plan for me to go to recovery right and I, I didn't I was unaware of this you know I was oblivious a little intervention yeah and I ended up at Piru and um, <laughs> I was 19 years old and uh, how old are you now I'm 22 okay and um, oh man I I was terrible. I, I did not want to be there. Uh, he didn't. <laughs> no, I did not. I don't even think I ever met Carrie that time. Uh, I think you were lucky. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, it was a bad situation. My mom told me she had to, like, I think she talked to Carrie every single day. Or, like, I think she did to, like, keep me in there. I don't know. 
But uh, I ended up going home. I, I stayed sober. Um, some it sunk in somehow, you know. Like I, they would force me to go to groups sometimes, but it it stuck for a while. And uh, I went back to school. They let me come back. And uh, f- uh, for some reason, I was just resentful and uh, resentful at my parents for uh, I don't know, like making me like forcing that education on me. I feel like. And, uh, you know, I would just sit in my room. I mean, I would go to class every once in a while, but eventually it got to a point where I would just sleep all day and stay awake all night playing video games. I would take pills every day, uh, usually Percocets. Um, I would smoke an eighth of weed a day. It was bad. Um, where are you getting the money for all this? Where are you getting the pills? I was getting the pills from a friend I had met at school. And uh, he had, he lived near me, so we became friends. And uh, I don't know those those became my friends. I don't know what happened, but you know we got along, and uh, the rest was history. We were, we were buddies. And uh, so yeah, where I was getting the money for all this, uh, my parents were giving me an allowance. I don't know. I I, I was manipulative. I I, I manipulated my way into getting money all the time. Uh, so yeah, that's how I was supporting my habit. And eventually I just, I flunked out of school, you know, they, I got academic disqualification. And uh, from straight A's to that. Yeah, exactly. Just tanked, it's horrible. And uh, after that, uh, so I brought my addiction home with me, right? And uh, it got to a point where I couldn't afford my addiction anymore. And uh, I started taking a lot of Xanax and that didn't help one bit. Uh, I started getting like panic attacks all the freaking time. It was, it was awful, truly awful. And honestly, I take responsibility for like tearing apart my, my parents' marriage. I feel, like, I feel like I have a huge role in that. I've had like family friends tell me that it's my fault. So, you know, I, I kind of got to take responsibility. Well, well, we'll talk about that one day, but you don't have that kind of power. You don't think so? No, I okay. think that them disagreeing and not knowing how to handle you is on them. You own what you did, but it's not your fault they're not together. No one has that power but them, just so you know. Okay, thank you, that's an excellent point. Um, But amongst those, when my dad took off and started living on his own, I got 5150 for the first time, and uh, I, I guess I was diagnosed like, that was like my actual psychiatric diagnosis and then um see how I, I i managed to stop doing xanax like a maniac but you know i'd still get high smoking weed getting high on opiates all the time taking pills oxycontin and i got 5250 for a second time and i ended up in a mental health rehabilitation center i stayed there for about five months and miraculously um my mom let me come home. I don't know how I managed to talk my way into that. She let me come home for about three months, and then... How old are you again? So I'm 22. <laughs> okay, just checking. Okay, and... Uh, so she let me come home, and are, I get... Are you listening to all this? I am. Are you hearing what you're saying? Yeah, it's terrible. Um, Is drugs your friend? No. They've destroyed my life practically say that again they have destroyed my life practically 
practically they've destroyed my life. They okay. have. They have destroyed my life. So far. Yes, yeah, so far. And um, so I was 52-50 again. And three months into my stay with my mom, she got a restraining order. You know, I didn't really know how to, I didn't, I didn't even think she did that. I thought she was joking. But I ended up at action again. And they really helped me out. Um, you know, I still have the restraining order with my mom today, you know, and it bothers me so much, but. I'm sure, why does it bother you? Uh, because my mom always knew how to cheer me up you know, when I needed to vent, things like that. You, I, you love your mom a lot, don't you? I love my mom a lot. You're, I'm a mama's boy, for sure. You've heard her a lot, haven't you? I have. If she can live, she's, she'll probably see this. What would you like to say to her? Mom, I love you, and I can't wait to see you again. What's, what's the feeling right now? You look really hurt. Yeah, I'm just really sorry about all the pain I've caused, you know. I just wanted the best for you. That's why. Do you know how you can clean this thing up with your mom? Do you know how? Um, I know getting sober exactly is a step in the right direction. It's it's everything right now. Okay. Right. If you don't get sober, Sam, what, what's going to happen? You've been in and out of rehab, I know, quite a lot. Right. If you don't figure it out, what's going to happen? I'm going to be dead. Um, you, you know what? You are going to be dead. I am going to be dead. You know, I've been in and out of action a couple times. Um, I went to sober living for a couple months, and I started doing heroin. And that's where I'm at today. Uh, I, you started using heroin. Can quickly, I fell asleep at the wheel, crashed my car, got a DUI. That's recent. Very recent. You know, within the last couple of months. So no more car. I had a very nice car. Um, so you shot some dope or whatever you did and fell asleep and crashed. Yeah, I fell asleep at the wheel on New Year's Eve, you know, smoked a whole bunch of dope and crashed my car and got a DUI. This, you know what we do, Veronica? You know what we really do? I think we will, our mission is really to save lives. It's not even to get people sober anymore because they get sober or they die. Right, I've seen Sam come in from our first time to his addiction progress and progress into an opiate user to now DUI, losing car, you know, and restraining orders, restraining from, his orders from his mom. And I know and I see how bad it hurts him because we've talked about it. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to see somebody's addiction progress instead of decrease. You know, what do you? What's different this time, Sam? What are you gonna do? Um, I'm gonna stay clean this time. I'm gonna stay sober. How? Huh. I'm gonna depend on. I'm gonna use my fellow addicts, people that I'm acquainted with, people that I know. You know. How about, uh, how about you follow direction this time? How right. about you do it right? Absolutely. When, the hardest part about staying sober, and you guys can. We can't disagree because it's a fact. Is the struggle in your head? The struggle meaning this: Should I or should I not? Do I really need to stay sober forever or not? Can I smoke weed just not shoot heroin? That's the struggle I'm talking about. When you would, when you drop that struggle and you say to yourself, "I'm done," and you know it in your heart, it becomes easy. 
But as long as that struggle's there, you're in trouble. Does that make sense? Because I know for sure every time you've left rehab, you had no intentions on staying sober. It's true. I knew it then, and I, and, and I, I'm, I'm hoping it's different this time. It will be, you know, because every time I, I leave rehab, I end up in the back of a cop car. Um, even this last time, I was gone for six days. And wound up in the back of a cop car, almost went to jail. They had mercy on me. You know, and I'm very thankful. You almost died. It's true. You fell asleep at the wheel of a car, crashed it. You're lucky to be alive. I am very lucky to be alive. Have you overdosed? Um, I've never been taken to the hospital for overdose. I feel like I've driven myself in times where I felt like I was dying, which isn't the right thing to do. Um, but I did get myself to help. Um, but there, there have been some really close calls, but I've never had to be like Narcaned out of a how overdose. Many, how many people do you know that has? I've had a friend die. It's really sad. He was really young. Uh, he was 18. He had just turned 18. Oh, okay. He died. I know, um, I know him. I'm sure you do. Um, and it's just really sad, you know. It's shocking. Why is it shocking? You know that when you guys are sh smoking dope, they're shooting dope, smoking heroin, taking pills, you're playing Russian roulette. And it's not Russian roulette with one bullet. It's Russian roulette with two or three bullets. It's not, is it going to kill me? It's when it's going to kill me. So why, I, I, when people say, I can't believe he died, and my, oh, my thing is, why not? He's playing Russian roulette. Right. Every time you use those drugs, especially now even the pills on the streets, Doctors used to give scripts of 90 pills and 90 refills, and whatever, more refills. Now it's six pills, seven pills. So the, the drug dealers right now, they can't get what they need. So they're buying them off the, they're buying bootleg pills. A major percentage of the pills that are being sold by drug dealers on the streets are bootleg, and you won't be able to tell. People say, oh, I can do this trick and that trick. No, you can't tell anymore. They got it down. And it's, it's never got the drug you want in it. It's always going to have fentanyl and other stuff. Right. So every time you go out there and you buy something, you're playing Russian roulette, man. I would hate to be here in another month or two with Veronica or whoever else and say, Joe passed away on an overdose. The Narcan didn't work this time. Sam crashed his car and died. That would break my heart. Sadly, I deal with that literally every day. Someone I know or heard of or knew about dies every day. I don't want it to be you. I don't want it to be anyone. So I hope that um, you care and you care as much about you as we do, as your mother does. I'm sure for your mom to get a restraining order against you must have been horrible for her. It must hurt her too. She just has to protect herself in case she loses you. And and you, sir, have a few kids that I know of and a wife that loves you very much. 
the end of the day, that's what counts. The hell with drugs and alcohol. That's right. They ain't your friend. Yeah. They will turn on you every time. Yes, sir. So I'm very proud of both of you, though. And, and you sound better than I ever heard you sound, doesn't he? Yes. I think he has, uh, Sam has come to grips with a lot of stuff, and it's hard for him to deal with it, but he's yeah. learning the tools that he needs. Hey, feelings suck. Yeah. You know how people grow <laughs> up? People don't grow up by turning in age. I know a lot of people who are 70 and 80, and they're still children. <laughs> people grow up by dealing with life by going through the pain and learning how to be happy and be sad and be depressed and be angry in an appropriate way. And that's what I want you to see is you've been going through all these feelings and emotions for since you've been back, but you haven't ran from them. You're dealing with them. You know, and they're just feelings and emotions. They're going to go away until the next one hits. But that's life. But you learn how to you deal know, with it. But you learn how to deal with it. And then your mind will be, oh, okay, well, it's just a feeling. It's going to go away, you know? Hey, take a deep breath. <laughs> Let it out. <laughs> what do you want to say to anyone listening to this? Don't do drugs. Stay sober. It's not worth it. Why not? Um, it's it's uh, almost an untamable beast. Uh, don't take your chances with it. Like Carrie said, it's Russian roulette every single time. Perfect. What do you want to say? Um, yeah, same thing. Just don't uh, don't don't fall for the lie that drugs and alcohol will uh, make you fit in or give to you what you think it'll give. Um, I remember as a kid, I'd watch Intervention, and I would say I never do the things that uh, the people on that show did, and I ended up, you know, pretty much doing everything I said I'd never do. So it'll take you to a place you don't want to go, and um, yeah, it's better to to live, live clean and sober. It'll take you to a place you don't want to go, and many people never come back. That's right. Yep. But you're not gonna be one of them. No, you're not. back. Yeah, I'm back. You're back. Okay. Um, Let's take a break. This is um, the Kerry Quashen Hour and the Real Deal. Welcome back to the Real Deal on the Kerry Quashen Hour. Today, my co-host is Veronica. You were during break. We were actually talking about someone's birthday today. Was my brother's birthday? happy birthday, big brother. I love you. <laughs> Very cool. But the reason I brought that up, do you, do you mind talking about it? No, I don't mind. Is it because here's what what happens is. So many people go to treatment, right? Right. And then they decide, okay, I can't shoot dope, I can't smoke weed, I can't use crystal meth, but I'll start drinking. Right. <laughs> and um, alcohol is, what were you saying earlier? It's right here. It's, it's convenient. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's socially acceptable. But the amount, especially lately, the amount of people that we have coming into treatment, is it, it's almost uh, mostly alcohol these days, isn't it? Right. Since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So it's been it's been in, uh, horrible to see some of the way some of these people have been coming in, how sick they have been. Right. Almost everyone that comes in to our treatment center for alcohol ends up in the hospital the day they come in. Right. Am I am I right? Right. At least to get hydrated and IV 
in something like that because the detox from alcohol is probably worse than any other detox. Correct. It's definitely the most deadly of all detoxes, if not medically um, supervised. Right. Do you want, what happened? It's, it's the hardest. Well, I mean, um, it's been two years, Super Bowl Sunday. Um, my, my family got hit with uh, an incident really, really big. Um, four of my family members were in a car accident. Uh, due to drunk driving and my older brother who I love very much and it's his birthday he, today it's his birthday um, he's paralyzed from the chest down so he can move his arms and he can move his his head but it, it's it's really hard you know um, my niece and nephew were in the car and my twin sister as well um, there's two of you there's two of us. Okay, just checking. We're fraternal. We could tell you could tell us. I'm the good one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just want to make um, sure you. Yes. <laughs> so um, it's it was something that you never would think would happen to your family, you know, and it did. Um, my brother's been in in a home for two years now. Um, mm. It's it, the whole family's recovering. You know, still to this day, we have to adjust to things have changed. You know, um, my niece is doing better, way better. She had a fractured spine and a broken pelvis, and she was seven. My nephew's um, intestines were, I believe, pushed up to his chest, so he's doing better. My sister had a fractured spine, but um, it's, it's something that, Guess you, you were, I guess you. Believe. I guess you were pretty lucky, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> right. I you know, and it's you can't believe it. You know, I I'm so grateful, and you know that they're all alive. Yeah. You know, even though at times it does hit me hard, like my brother hasn't walked in two years. You know, and right now we can't visit him, but through a window, yeah. and it's you know his birthday, and how does he feel? And I get stuck in my head of what's going through his head is he okay you know and it's just all of our lives are altered you know but we are grateful you know everybody's okay everybody's alive everybody's alive i have a friend named bill and um years ago he was walking his dog he was with his wife his son and his daughter mm-hmm. and a car came screeching around the corner and was out of control he, he was able to push his son out of the way but the drunk driver took out his wife and his daughter and the dog, killed them all. Um, a couple of years ago, the kid overdosed off of the same thing you guys are playing with. Mm-hmm. So I guess where I'm going, I mean, the only good ending of alcohol and drug abuse is sobriety. Right. There's no other good ending. It turns out bad always. It's right. either, either it gets over or it's bad so it's absolutely true you know and it's like i i see the dynamic in my family home changed already um people that drink all the time are not drinking anymore you know um because it just hits so close to home yeah you know before the car accident i was the only one in sobriety you know and now it's people are following footsteps (laughs) And which is a good thing, but it's also sad, 
you know, to yeah. see everything that happened. I want to go on a campaign soon, and my campaign is going to be, I think, you know, when you're drunk and you get arrested, they put a breathalyzer in your car. Mm-hmm. I think every car straight out of the factory should have one. And, and nobody should be able to drive if they're drunk. And nobody should mind because if you're blowing it and you're not drunk, the car will start. But we could stop all drunk driving and all drunk driving arrests and all the killings from people who drink and drive just by doing that. Right. And and you know, that's just my thought. It's so often now, my my twin sister had a friend, she was killed by a drunk driver um, not that long ago either in, I believe, like Northridge area. You know, and it's mm. like just it just happened, and I'm like, what? When she told me, I couldn't even believe it. Yeah. You know, and it's the their family. I could only imagine what they're going through. Yeah, we had a 16 year old girl come into our rehab when we were doing adolescence. Mm-hmm. You might remember, but um, the mom called us when she was 17 and a half and wanted to thank us for saving her kid and let us know that a drunk driver took her out. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, I mean, I got stories. Wow forever but that's not why i'm here today it's right. just it's sad i'm, I'm very grateful mm-hmm. that your family are alive yeah i'm so sad I. that he's paralyzed right but at least he's alive right yeah. you know we'll we'll learn from it everybody will grow and we still love each other if anything it made my my family stronger mm-hmm. and our bonds are, are a lot stronger yes very cool thanks so paul yeah welcome to our show what's going on um you know, first off, thank you, uh, Carrie, for having me here. Thank you, Veronica. Um, you know, I, I came to you through recommendation of a friend, came into the Action Treatment Center um, because I was drinking and my life was completely unmanageable. I've been, been in recovery before, been exposed to recovery. Um, I knew I couldn't do it on my own. What uh, is that? Why, why is that? Explain that because there's a lot of people that are going to be watching this. Yeah. And they and, and people like to kid themselves to say I could do this on my own. I just don't want to do it yet. When we know inside that's not true. Uh, so, you know, I, I could answer this question. I was physically dependent upon alcohol. Mm-hmm. I was a daily drinker. I drink to self-medicate. I didn't have uh, access to adequate health care. And so, what I did have access to was liquor store on the, on the corner. Gotcha. So alcohol solved my problems. It created many more. But it solved the main problem that was in the forefront of my mind. Which was? Uh, anxiety, PTSD. Okay. Right? I, I drank so I could be normal, so I could sit here and have a conversation, as opposed to isolating myself in a room by myself, um, you know, staring at the wall or, or dealing with the things that I deal with in my head. Because um, I, I also have to deal with some uh, mental health issues. Right. So um, the lack of access to adequate medical health care. Uh, was a big problem. I didn't know how to overcome that. Um, I drank, and, and that seemed to solve my problems. Mm-hmm. So I continued to drink. Uh, as soon as I woke up in the morning, I started drinking, and I, I drank throughout the course of the day. So um, I tried stopping, but by 9 o'clock in the morning, I was having shakes. I was feeling really anxious. I could not function without taking a drink of alcohol. Um, I didn't drink because I liked the taste. At one point I did, but that, that was many years ago. Right. You know? What people need to know is alcohol is a drug. 
It's a mm -hmm. liquid drug, and it's one of the most physically addictive drugs on the market. It's also one of the most deadly drugs to detox, withdraw from without medical attention. Yeah, you know, as you know, you could die from you could from it. lose yeah. your life detoxing from alcohol without medical attention. Yes. Yeah, and so um, I reached out to you, and you made it possible for me to enter uh, Action Treatment Center. And you know, I've been exposed to treatment before. I, this is my sixth attempt at treatment. I've never stayed more than a matter of weeks. Um, you know, I've, I've dealt with addiction since the age, a very young age, uh, and I read a lot and I'm analytical, so I've read a lot of literature on it because I was able to, I had that book knowledge. I thought I knew better. What am I doing here? I don't. I could do it on my own, mm -hmm. so I would always leave because I, I I know better. But I wasn't doing better, and that was a problem. But when I came to you, I reached a point of realizing that it didn't matter what I knew; it's what I was doing. I wasn't doing anything with that knowledge, right. so I, I was beaten to a point of reasonableness, as, as many people say. Yeah, right. And you know what? That I think we all know better. It's just right. that we can't do better. Right. The, the, way, the way I've been breaking it down with my sponsor, uh, there's two steps to the first step. You have to admit you're powerless, then your life was unmanageable. But that powerlessness needs to be breaking down the mental obsession, right. the yeah. thinking about the drink, the obsessing, how are we going to get away with it, what it's going to feel like, what we're going to do. And then once you take that in, you have a phenomenon that, of that craving. That struggle we were talking about earlier that's in everybody's brain. Should I or should I not? Yes. Right. Yes. And, and I was unable to overcome that mental craving. I had to drink. Right. I, I had to drink. I didn't want to. There are many times I would drink and I didn't want to drink, but I drank anyway. And Isn't that suck? It, it's, it's horrible, especially when I have... A desire to be an asset to those around me. Um, I've started businesses. My goal is to have my own business. Mm -hmm. But I was ineffectual. I couldn't get up off the couch without having a drink. I couldn't leave the front house. I couldn't pick up the phone. Sure wouldn't know that looking at him, would you? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. It, it completely disabled me to a point where um, when I went into Ronald Reagan Hospital, uh, they turned me gravely disabled and committed me on a 5150 because I was unable to care for myself right. without that substance. That's pretty heavy. Yeah. How does that feel? It, it's a very humbling experience. I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was sleeping on the beach. I was down there in Santa Monica sleeping on the beach because uh, I couldn't afford rent, mm -hmm. you know? And so it made sense to me. Just go sleep on the beach. It's Southern California. Why not? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I had a million dollar view. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. But, you know. How'd that work? It didn't work out well. It <laughs> led to years yeah. of misery. Yeah. And what, what ended up happening to me was um, I, got, I was really drunk one night in Hollywood, and I got arrested. And, uh, yeah, I had butted two security guards. And I, w I was placed into this program called the Oxid Diversion and Reentry Program. Uh, it's a program funded by the Board of Supervisors, Los Angeles County. And what it does, it helps people who deal with addiction um, by stabilizing them, getting them the proper health care treatment, mental health, and housing resources that they need so they could um, reenter the community, maybe go back to work, or right. if working is not an option, disability. The problem with that was 
it didn't address the addiction or the mental health aspects. They housed you, nothing else. Right. right. And so I, I was still, even though there's, there's all this money for this program, it's not being done properly. My, when I came to you, my life was unmanageable. I had a place to stay, but I, you know, that was only through the blessing of, uh, of a, a very kind-hearted woman, right? As you well know. Yes, that you is know, now sober too. That's now sober too. <laughs> um, but in the, in the short time that I, I've been at your treatment center, um, I feel the confidence coming back to me. I feel the capability coming back to me, uh, and, and that's through strong. That's through dedication. You know, taking part in the groups. Um, throwing myself in 110% in the same way that, you know, when I, when I was on the other side, you know, I had to provide for myself, but I didn't have a nine to five job. So my whole day was spent, okay. Right. So now, now that- Where I'm am I gonna get food? Where am I gonna yeah. get booze? How am I gonna, right. I made it happen when sure. I was not in recovery. So now I have to make it happen in recovery. Right. Right? I have to put everything I have into it because if not, I'm gonna die or end up in jail. Or, or, or hurt somebody else. Or on the streets forever, or in a mental institution. Right. And so, um, you know, your, your place created a perfect environment for me to take advantage of the tools that are available, right? Because it's a safe place. Right. You have all the resources and the staff available, and you must pay these people pretty good because they treat us really well. You know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm <laughs> not, I need a raise. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. They, they provided it. Right. You know, I've been to, I've been to really nice treatment centers, Beverly Hills, Costa Mesa, Lake Arrowhead, um, where you would get the massage, <laughs> but you didn't have the connection with the staff. No, and the that, lobster tacos. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you didn't have the connection with the staff. You couldn't go to them with a problem and, and, and get actual help. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's through your staff that I was able to get a sponsor, and that sponsor is now taking me through the 12 Steps Alcoholics Anonymous. Awesome. Um, you know, so I, I'm just grateful for the, for the opportunity. How much time sober you got now? Uh, my sobriety day is February 3rd of this year. How so, does, How does it feel? That's my brother's birthday. <laughs> how does it feel? Uh, it feels fantastic. You know, I, I feel very optimistic about the future. And, you know, I, I have a lot of hurdles I have to overcome. You know, the wreckage of my past, I have to rebuild, you know, family relationships. I was going to ask you, I've been, tell me about your family. Where are they? What's going on? Um, you know, my father is in uh, Lake Isabella. He's, he's a car salesman up there, but we've never really been. Um, he wasn't in the picture. Uh, my mother is is a, a beautiful woman. We just started talking again after 10 years. Very cool. Uh, she, she how, got, is, how is that? It, it's amazing. You know, she's very happy, has, has an amazing husband who takes great care of her. And, you know, she's 62 years old, and she's happy. Good. And she deserves it. She, she's living a very good life, and she deserves it because she sacrificed so much for myself and my mm -hmm. sister. You know, yeah. she was a single mother, put herself back through college, got a degree, became a CPA, and um, w was very successful. So um, she, it, it's just... It's, is, she, is she proud of you? She's guarded because there's been so many attempts mm -hmm. at this in the past, and I've failed. Right. So she's got what you call guarded optimism. She's very guarded. You know, um, she wants me to succeed, and she will do anything she can to help me get to that point. But she's been burned in the past, not right. because I haven't wanted to, but because yeah. I haven't been able to overcome the disease and understand what it takes to fight that disease. 
because this is a cage fight. This is a fight to the death. You have to give it, it's not just gonna happen because you want it to happen, mm -hmm. you know? And so in the past, when I got sober for 30 days or 90 days, and I, made, I promised her the world. Right. Only a week later to quit my job and go off to Las Vegas, you know? And then call her, oh, I got arrested again, or I need some money. Right. So yeah, she, she, she's happy for me. She wants to see me do better. But this disease, sometimes you don't win. Yeah. Right. Right now you're winning. Right now I'm winning. You mean, and, and right now you're winning. There's, you're, there's, you are a success today. There's a recipe to win. We're, we're given a daily reprieve, mm -hmm. right? Right. That's true. One day at a time. One day at a time. One day at a time. Yep. And uh, your name's Paul and you're worth it. Thank you. I appreciate that, Carrie. Me too, you are. You are. Yeah. What do you want to say to your mom? I want her to watch this now. <laughs> <When it's on. laughs> uh, mom, I love you. Uh, thank you for everything you did for me. And, uh, you know, I'm giving it 100% for you. That's it. Yeah. Anything for your dad? I love you too. I hope you're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> Do me a favor. Hug him for me. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> now come here. Yeah. <laughs> I see your tears. I'm going to hug you. Now. <laughs> That's what it's about, isn't it? It really is. You know how you feel right now? Tell me. Uh, you know, it's a little humbling, you know, to have tears in, in, uh, in front of people. Yeah. Um, a lot of but, people. But, uh, you know, I'm strong enough to, to accept that. That's how do what you it feel is. right now? You feel good? I feel good. feel safe? I, I, I feel safe. Um, there's remorse over my actions. Do you but know, I have to accept them. Do you know how to forgive yourself? I'm doing better today. Period. When you know you're done, you then can forgive yourself for what yeah. you've done. Yeah. Okay. So, if you, so it's got to come from your head to your heart. When you know you're done, it's easy to forgive yourself and everyone else will. Yeah. Right. And so you just got to do this thing right. You got to do it every day. Yeah. And you don't ever got to do it again. And that struggle we were talking about in your brain, should I or should I not? Yes. Is alcohol, this is to all three of you, is alcohol and drugs your friend? No. Yeah. Do you believe that? I cannot drink safely. It'll never treat you good. Yeah. It'll never treat you good. Ever. So if you remember the good and you glamorize that in your brain, you're in trouble. Yeah. You remember sleeping on the beach and getting arrested and falling asleep at the wheel and being Narcan back and your kids and your wives and your moms and your stuff like that, the pain you cause, you'll stay sober. Remember the pain, remember the bad. Don't remember the good. You know, there's something that we call play the tape all the way through. Right. You know, and that's when our brain starts like, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? Okay, if we do, these feelings will go away. These emotions will go away. Don't stop there. Mm -hmm. Play it through. Right. Okay, I'm going to feel good after I drink for maybe a few hours. Problems are still going to be there, but now you have so much more. Mm -hmm. What are the consequences of that? You know, what can happen? Play it all the way through. Don't stop at, I'm going to feel good. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, well really, let me ask you a question. Do you, do you really feel good? I mean, if, let's say you... Like you, I said, like a moment. You, like you're sober now, right? If you out, go out and drink, how, how, it'll feel good when you grab your bottle. It'll feel good when you take your first hit. Mm -hmm. And then it'll, will it still feel good in, the, in the 10 minutes? 
Will you feel bad and guilty? You'll feel guilty for sure. Well, will you, will you get depressed? Our yeah. clients, you know, that go through action, um, they're never going to have a normal high or drunk again. We're going to screw it up. Because now yeah. you guys yeah. have a head of full of recovery. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's our job to mess up to your, your, your party. <laughs> this is true. So, so the party ended. You yeah. lost the memo. We'll send you a new one today. <laughs> But and, and this is for anyone out there. If you think you might have a problem, then you do. If you got to question yourself and say, "Should I stop?" You should. If you got that struggle in the head, we get it. And there's always help. Reach out. For the person that is out there drinking and using on the streets that are buying dope or pills, Russian roulette. It's going to kill you, or you're going to get sober. That's just that's it. Yeah. There's not a third option anymore. So, anyways, I, I I think we're about done. What do you think? I think so. Anybody want to say anything before we say goodbye? I appreciate you guys for having me on. Okay. Uh, I wish I wish more people had the opportunity to do this because a lot of people don't have the opportunity. All right. If you're in trouble, reach out. Yeah. If you if, I mean call us. We're at uh, my number, 800-367-8336. If we can't help you, we'll find you help. Bottom line is don't try to do this by yourself. If you're questioning it, go with it. My name is Kerry Quashen. This is The Real Deal.